0: Welcome back to another episode of the Villa Society podcast, where we analyse the latest fixtures featuring Aston Villa and look at the key aspects that influence the game. I'm your host, Paul James, and today we're looking at Aston Villa 2, Brighton 1 and European football. Get in there. So European football is back at Villa Park and pack your passports cuz we're going to Europe as McGinn says pack your passports. So yeah, it's it's an amazing times being Aston Villa fan. This is incredible really. It's been such a long time since we've been in Europe. As a kid I watched Villa in Europe against Inter Milan and that kind of stuff. So it's just amazing that we're in the going in the right direction. We're back in Europe. This team, this squad is going to get European experience. It's going to build, it's going to learn, and it's going to get better and better. And Aston Villa are back, really. Kind of ahead of schedule, really. So Emery's done such a good job to get this team gelling together and buying into his game plan and all kind of working together and getting really good results. And finishing in seventh place, it's incredible, really, if you think about it. Definitely manager of the season. It's just that, that winning run that went on for ages, it just seems so... It seems so bizarre now to think about it, but we just won such a great run and Ollie Watkins was banging the goals in. and It's incredible, really, and how far we went up the table. We shot up that table and just to finish up of Spurs is brilliant as well. I know a lot of Spurs fans are like, oh, we don't want the Conference League, but, you know, they probably did. They're just like, it's just a good excuse because they've had a poor, a poor season and Villa finished above them. But I think... If we can learn lessons playing European football as well, and these players can learn lessons and get better and better, I think we've got a chance of finishing in the top six next season for sure. If you look at like players like Tyrone Mings, it's just they've improved so much. And if they're playing European football, they're going to get even better. Even John McGinn as well, Ramsey, Douglas Louise, all these players. It's just really good to see their progress and how they've advanced and how they're all working together as a team as well. We had to win this game as well because we'd come down to the last game of the season. We'd drawn against Liverpool, got that crucial point, but we still need to beat Brighton and... Brighton didn't just come to roll over and make up the numbers. They came. They wanted to play. They wanted to show what they're all about. And they they caused us problems at times. But we were really effective, and we had a really good game plan. And I think we were just there. And we knew we had the confidence, we had the belief, and we got the result. And we ground it out towards the end, and uh, yeah, just got the vital win. And uh, it's all gravy, really. It's European football, so. What a time to be alive. I mean, the game was only on Sunday as well. It's only been like a few days now and it feels like a lifetime ago. I don't know why. It feels like a really long time ago. But well, maybe that's because we've also started getting all these transfer rumours coming through like Marco Ascenso as well. Like he's uh, apparently maybe going to Villa tomorrow, but we don't know. It could be that Villa are being used as this kind of, you know, bit of a stalking horse for PSG. Maybe it's his agent who wants to get him a bumper deal at PSG. Use Aston Villa as like... You know, they go between and say, oh, there's a big deal coming with Villa and then PSG come with more money, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, this could be completely wrong and he may say it for Aston Villa. It does have some undertones where we've, we've obviously put a bid in um, for him and uh, given him an offer, so it's on the table by the looks of it. So fingers crossed that he's just not using us as like you know, a way to make more money and get a bumper package for himself or his agent doing that anyway. So fingers crossed, he seems like a very good player. Hopefully the deal will be done tomorrow, but let's wait and see. So let's get back onto this game. So it's Aston Villa two, Brighton one. And first of all, let's start with Stats Blast. So let's have a look at some key stats from this game. So expected goals, XG. For Aston Villa it was 2.85 and for Brighton it was only 1.35. Total shots from Villa were 12 to eight from Brighton. Big chances created. We had four for Villa and three for Brighton. So you can see Brighton were definitely in this game as well. We had two big chances missed for Villa and two big chances missed for Brighton, which is interesting. I didn't I thought Brighton had a few more in that first half, but maybe it evened out in that second half. Accurate passes, Villa had two hundred and thirteen, that's seventy five percent. And Brighton had three hundred and fifty seven, that's eighty four percent. Fouls committed, Villa had 15, and Brighton had 16, so pretty even there. Offsides, Villa had zero, and uh, Brighton had six. So we expect the opposition to have quite a lot of offsides against Villa because that high line, that offside trap. Uh, and we three corners apiece there as well. Ball possession, 40% to Villa, 60 to Brighton. So you can see there Brighton had more. More time on the ball there, but if you um if you look at the momentum of this game, it does seem like Villa were slightly on top for a lot of this game. Um, Brighton had their chances, they had patterns of play, they had some momentum throughout the game, but Villa slightly above there, I think. In terms of shots, Villa had 12 shots and five off target, five shots on target, Brighton had three off target, four on target and Villa had seven shots inside the box, Brighton had five shots inside the box. Villa had five outside the box to Brighton's three outside the box. One interesting stat here is that Villa had 12 interceptions to Brighton's three, so that seems like quite a lot in defence. We intercepted the ball, and and on the last podcast I was talking about this with Villa, we intercept the ball in the the defence, but we don't just intercept it and then hoof it, we're quite intelligent with what we do with the ball after we've intercepted it. So it's a really, really good change under Emery, and I think um, it really helps us kind of turn that defence into attack and kind of break well without giving possession away. Villa also won more ground jewels here with 56% to Brighton's 44% and overall we had 57 jewels won to Brighton's 47 so we did dominate there, we kind of got stuck in a little bit more uh, than Brighton and kind of dominated a little bit there in the midfield winning that ball we saw that with one of the goals, McGinn, he was just like a terrier running round and he and he dispossessed McAllister. Callister, he just had a bit of grip between his teeth, he really wanted to get that European football, and um, had a great performance as well. So onto the first key aspect of this game, and it's Aston Villa's fast start. So Villa kind of came racing out of the blocks, we've done this quite a lot this season, we've Got early goals in games and in this game we came out and we were playing really well, playing really incisive football. And we saw quite early on, Bailey had a really good chance. Ramsey got down the left-hand side and he cuts the ball back. Bailey takes a touch with a defender on his shoulder and he kind of holds him off and he spins and he blasts the ball onto the bar. Uh, I think if you watch it again, it takes a little nick off the defender. So if it hadn't got that little deflection, it might have actually gone in, maybe hit the underside of the bar and gone in. So really good effort there, really good play from Ramsey. Bailey did everything right there as well. So that was kind of an early warning sign to Brighton because it wasn't long into the match where the goal came and it was came from the same kind of thing. Ramsey's down the left-hand side and he's got his defender just inside the box and he's he's waited, well, Douglas Louis. He's waiting for Douglas Luiz to kind of, the angle to be there so he can play it, cut it back and play it to the edge of the box. Um, and Douglas Luiz is there, slightly inside the box and just slots it home and 1-0 Aston Villa. And at this stage, at the eighth minute, we're like, yes, perfect start. We're really going to go on and dominate this, dominate this game. And it wasn't quite like that, but it was a fantastic start by Villa and the home crowd was just like delirious going to Europe <laughs> Uh, we're on our way, so great start from Villa and really good intent from the kickoff. Really, and Just a word about Douglas Luiz here, he actually plays the ball to Ramsey in the first place and Ramsey gets down the line and cuts it back to him, but how good is Douglas Luiz? He's just gone from strength to strength under Emery and he's really showing like how good he is. I can't believe he's not in the Brazil squad this time round because he's just improved so much for Villa and we thought it was basically because Kamara was playing well but he was out injured for ages so Louise was really good when he wasn't there so Kamara's back now and they're just really good pairing in that midfield and Douglas Louise just looks like he's got more freedom to go forward and he's just got such a silky pass a bit of skill, a bit of vision and he's just a really good player and he really deserves players, player of the season and supporters, player of the season so well done to him, great player and uh, I hope we have him for many years to come Onto the second key aspect of this game is the Watkins counter-attack. But not so much Watkins, but John McGinn. He's playing this higher role than he was in the previous game against Liverpool, but it's like part of our game plan maybe to win the ball further up the pitch and we've got that high line so we're pushing up as well McGinn's quite high up there and he's just like he's waiting to pounce and and intercept that ball and turn that transition up into attack further up the pitch and you saw that in this game he was running around like that terrier and McAllister got the ball but McGinn kind of already sussed it out that he was going to get the ball and he, he gets his foot kind of in between McAllister and the ball and it, it's not a foul, he kind of puts his foot in between, gets the ball, and then I think he gets the ball and he, he just breaks up the play a little bit and the ball falls to Bailey, who plays an amazing first-time ball. I think if you watch this back, it's like it's quite hard to time that ball quite right when you haven't controlled it, you're playing it first time, and he's put the perfect ball through with his left foot there to Ramsey, and Ramsey's onto it who also had an amazing game and he's onto it and he's speeding into the box and the defender can't catch him and he's unselfishly taken a little touch past the keeper and into the path of Watkins who just slots it home and it's 2-0 to Villa and at this stage I'm like, this is going to be like 4-0 and we're just like home and dry. (laughs) Europe's in the bag. And um, yeah, we were playing really, really well and we're just had the bit between our teeth. We were playing really well, winning that ball in midfield. I think the high line was working really well at that time as well. We were really squeezing the play and playing well defensively, catching catching Brighton offside on many occasions as well. And uh, I guess we'll go on to that now. So, I mean, I'm always moaning about this high line, but this is a, a typical um, illustration of that high line as well. We played it really well and caught Brighton offside a lot. Um but the problem was, we thought we caught them offside when the line's been flagged, but it wasn't actually offside. Undav goes through, puts the ball in the back of the net and everyone thinks it's offside because Villa are so good at this offside trap, but VR plays it back and actually he's been played onside by, it's Matty Cash, but I think it might be Bailey as well if you watch the replay. And maybe Matty Cash you know, hasn't played that much for this season under Emery playing that high line, so maybe he's not used to you know, being exactly in line with everyone and being really organized, he's he's come into this quite late on. So give him the benefit of the doubt, it's only a marginal decision as well. But, and he's also apparently playing in, in pain, so he's taking painkillers because he's not been put in the Poland squad, so I think Matty Cash was playing because we a bit light at the back, at the full back at the moment, so fair play to him there. Um, he was just a shade playing him on there at the back, so Undav got through and it was a goal. Um, so it's kind of strange to see that where the players all thought it was offside. Of course, it's going to be offside because Villers playing this offside trap and then actually VAR's going, it's not offside, it's a goal and uh, i was a little bit shocked because i presumed it was going to be offside um but there 2-1 2-1 brighton and brighton are back in the game making it a little bit more difficult for us um making it less of a party at, uh, at villa park making it more tense but um we carried on playing our game plan i think and we carried on playing in the way we were supposed to play in the manner we were supposed to play with that you know a bit of grip between our teeth a bit of determination some incisive passing and also playing it out of the back. Again, I talked about this last week, but playing that the D shape at the back and just like breaking the lines, getting beyond their strikers and their midfield. I saw this on numerous occasions and it just takes my breath away every time they do it. When you see one of our midfielders just breaking over that halfway line and leaving all those midfielders and strikers behind and now we're, we're on the attack. It's just breathtaking to watch when they actually play it like that because it's really good football and um, it's really effective as well, so well-played Villa. It's just, they, they they seem to be doing this very well at the moment, so I'm looking forward to seeing it more next season as well. Really good to see Ollie Watkins back on the score sheet as well after that run, that amazing run of goals. He's, he's had a little bit of a, a dry spell recently, but we'll put that down to maybe having another kid and getting no sleep. That's what people say, but he did have a little bit of a dip in form the first time he had a kid, I think, so maybe there's a little bit of truth in that, but he gets a great goal. Last game of the season in front of the Villa Park faithful, so fair play to Watkins, he's had a great season and he's coming on as a player as well so I was really pleased to see him get on the score sheet. So onto the third key aspect of this game and that's Brighton's response. So Brighton they had their chances, they had one goal ruled offside uh, when they scored um, they had the other goal, Veillard and then It was a goal, but um, we were playing a bit of a risky game at that stage. We had a few balls put through by Brighton that were like slotted through behind our high line and they were clean through. And we had a a great save by Martinez from Undav. He kind of blocked it low down. He did that kind of save that he did in the World Cup where he really put his legs out wide, spread his legs out wide and blocked the shot. And it was a crucial save, really. Um, Kamara as well, he was... He was in the line, but he was like slightly deeper and the ball was slotted through by Brighton and I think it's Ferguson, ran onto the ball, clean through again and Kamara just manages to get back somehow, manages to get a foot on it and he just goes wide, kicks it wide and it's a, it's a key save really because at that stage he could have just had a, a shot on target and it could have been a goal to Brighton and then we would have been in trouble. But Brighton's goal comes from a free kick actually where... I thought Mings did really well. He he came back and galloping back with these uh, long legs and stuck a leg out and seemed to get the ball, but I think maybe he went through and took out uh, the player's knee at the same time. So it was a foul to Brighton. And uh, Pascal Gross took the free kick. He chipped it into the penalty box. And I don't know how, maybe we were a little bit switched off and um, Undav managed to get the ball. He plays it quite well past Mings and gets the shot away and it's a goal but everyone's kind of thinking it's offside at this stage and I think Villa were as I think we just need to play keep playing I know it's difficult if, if you think people are offside you kind of like part of you stops playing but I'm not sure whether Villa did that but it's easy to do if you do think he's offside but as you see from this the VAR replay he was clearly onside and uh, most people thought he was off so yeah he fired it past Martinez and uh, yeah it's only Brian's only goal of the game the game really ebbed and flowed. Brighton had chances. Villa were making chances as well. We had an absolutely huge chance in the second half and Watkins was closing down the keeper. And I don't know what he's doing, but he passes it out like a long pass along the ground, straight down the middle of the pitch, straight to McGinn. So McGinn picks it up, plays in Bailey, who rushes into the box and he plays a, a cross right across the box to the back post where Ramsey's there, sidefoots it, but sidefoots it over the bar and maybe the ball had a little bit too much on it from Bailey, but it was a really good ball. He picked him out well, and that was a huge chance just to go 3-1, and European football is in the bag at that point. But Ramsey had a great game as well, so I can't really complain because he's uh, he's just been playing quite well recently, and he's just had a fantastic game, especially for his age as well. So, well played to Ramsey. One of the players of this game, there was um, so many players who played well in this game. So, you know, like Mings, McGinn again, just a proper leader at the moment Luis just silky skills great going forward got his goal Martinez just like key saves and we don't talk about him enough but it's just like we take it for granted that he's going to pull off some saves so he's just a world class keeper really and we really need to keep him if we want to push further up that table next season uh, Ramsey had a great game, as I said. Just seems to be improving all the time. Bailey actually had a really good game and actually did some useful stuff in the midfield. Looked dangerous. He had a great shot with his right foot at some point, which only whistled past the post. He kind of tried to curl it in the top corner, but it only got, only only just went past that post. But great with his right foot because I'm absolutely hopeless with my left foot. <laughs> just shows, um, you know, most most professional footballers they're not that great with their weak foot, but. Yeah, he nearly put it in the top corner. And who else? I think uh, Dinier had a good game as well at the back. And Kamara playing well in midfield again, that key save, that key block. Um, Yeah, Mings, superb player at the back for Villa at the moment as well. So all round, really good performance from the Villa team. So overall, just really, really happy that we turned up at Villa Park and put in the performance that the crowd deserved. And just the team has got so much grit, determination. They've got such a great game plan going into every game. I kind of like the high line. It's working. Um, It it squeezes the play. I'm loving the, the D playing out of the back, you know, getting beyond that, that line of midfielders and attackers and breaking with pace and excitement and just being incisive and all these players just growing in confidence. And you can see it, you can see it on the pitch, you can see Rams, you can see Douglas Louise you can see McGinn. McGinn was just so, so much determination in this game. So really good to see this Villa team growing and finishing in seventh, really deserved it, but he's definitely got to be manager of the season, Emery, this season. It's just a massive, massive turnaround and uh, yeah, Transfer news has already started, so it's quite exciting. I hope we get some big signings in. I'm hoping for two or three proper level-up kind of signings. I think if we do that, then it's a little bit scary where we might finish next season. I don't want to make any predictions at this stage, but if we can finish seventh with this squad, if we can add two or three players who are even better, and we're going to need them with European football, I think we can push on, and I think maybe we could we could definitely challenge for a cup next year for sure, and maybe get into that top six as well, and leave, leave the likes of Spurs behind in these teams. So yes, hopefully. So that just about wraps up our review of Aston Villa Brighton, and Villa crashing the top seven, and getting European football... And there won't be any predictions this week because we haven't got any games till next season, but I'm hoping to be back with some transfer news-type podcasts quite soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And yeah, until next time, I hope you have a great week and can't wait for that European football. So thanks for joining us and up the villa.